Hey everybody, I'm Fish, and I'm Steve, and this is The Earspoon, found at TheEarspoon.com or wherever you download your podcast. Joining us right out of the gate, Tom Squiteri from Talk Media News is on the line with us, and uh, Tom, I'm just going to throw out a sentence, and you say the first thing that comes to mind. (laughs) We're going to build a great big rake, and we're going to make the Finns pay for it. <laughs> nice one. Yeah, I, I think that's the. I think that's a variation from the President Trump on the build a wall and make Mexico pay for it. Yeah. Right? Hey, how'd I do? You well should. Done, you should. Tom. You know, you should do this for a living. <laughs> right. yeah. So, anyway, moving right along, <laughs> forest floors aside. Uh, so, t- let, let's actually uh, sort of on that. I, I, well, just let me let me interrupt you for one moment yeah. there. Uh, you know, I, I believe, and you can check me on this, I believe that this day in history was the day that President Lincoln actually delivered the Gettysburg Address. That's true. Oh, yeah. And, that is correct. Good. And Good. so there's some there's some words uh, to compare presidents right. by. <laughs> yeah. uh, just yesterday I was watching him talk with the, with the so, uh, impromptu press conference with uh, Jerry Brown and, and Gavin Newsom, and, and it was – it was just word salad. I mean, the man just kind of like <laughs> drooled words down his chin, and that was it. And then you think, you know, and here's Lincoln, like impromptu. I mean, fairly, didn't he write it on the back of an uh, envelope? Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. He wrote it on an envelope on the way up to yeah. Gettysburg. Yeah, well, but, you know, there, there's there, a couple of different drafts of it of, around the, in the National Archives, I believe, and elsewhere. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. I get it. I'm really, I wasn't aware that there were a couple of different drafts. I should, I, I want to do some research on that now. But kind of on that whole uh, the the opening funny line, funny guy line, um, <laughs> let's let's actually talk about the border and and how much use that those all those uh, soldiers that were sent down to the border uh, mm-hmm. could be used to say I don't know vacuum the forest. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, uh, there are about eight hundred troops. Uh, I, I don't have the exact number in front of me at this second, but mm. we had a briefing at the Pentagon today. It's a uh, often held on a Monday. Mm. It's off-camera but on-the-record briefing. And one of the questions were uh, raised that issue, and I think that they said around 800 troops. Let me look in my notes while we're talking here. Mm -hmm. But there are 800 or so troops in California, 854 uh, in California assisting with the wildfire um, activities. And they're doing a a variety of tasks. Much like they did earlier this year, they provide support. They provide reconnaissance and intelligence from above. You know, they map out the, the direction of fires. They do heat indexes. They, they, the capabilities that they bring to this uh, are, are different than they bring to the southern border mission. Um, they've, <laughs> yeah. they've done this before, you know, and this is something really that the military can do well, and it's not really puzzlement over why they're there. Right. Yeah, just more hands on deck. And I mean, that to me seems like a pretty good use of taxpayer dollars versus going down to the border because brown-skinned people are coming. Yeah. yeah. So uh, <laughs> at the border today, uh, the numbers were given to us were uh, about 52, mm-hmm. uh, <coughs> excuse me, That's okay. about uh, 5,800 active duty personnel on the border, of which 2,800 were in Texas and 1,500 were in Arizona and California each. Uh, and w- can I ask Mexico. you a question, Tom? I mean, my sure, understanding is, especially with the the Posse Comitatus Act, like they're not really to be deployed in a policing 
uh, circumstance. What role do they serve there on the border? They're putting up a constant chain of wire and building barriers and 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 reinforcing existing barriers. Uh, they're providing um, like reconnaissance flights uh, for border patrol agents. They're not supposed to come into contact with any of the asylum seekers, and so far they have not. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are armed. Um, it, the, the, there's like MPs protecting active duty sir, soldiers. It's interesting, you know, they're the armed people, so they're in a protection capacity for the active duty troops. But under the posse commentars, you're absolutely correct that no law enforcement within the United States is permitted by the military, except in ex extraordinary circumstances, which have not been declared here. So it's basically, uh, they, they seem to have completed all their tasks, according to the briefing this morning. Secretary Mattis suggested that last week as well. They get the direction from Customs and Border Protection, so mm. they may be asked to do other tasks, which we haven't been told. And the other thing they haven't been able to provide us, it was asked repeatedly by Barbara Starr of CNN this morning, uh, how much is this all costing? And uh, they don't have a number yet. <laughs> uh, five golf trips. Yeah. What? <laughs> five. Exactly. Or a night stay for Melania. Well, there you go. For a time she didn't even spend yes, a night somewhere. There you go. Um, all right, so let me uh, let me just get this straight. 5,800 to address the border troops. 854. <laughs> now, don't forget, I'm sorry, but sorry to interrupt you, but don't forget there's also uh, about 2,100 National Guard troops that were sent to the border in Jesus. spring, and they're still there. Okay. All right, so did you just make that number worse by about 2,000? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so you you fifty eight hundred and twenty. I think it's twenty one hundred, but you could even say if it's just two thousand. So it's really seventy eight hundred. Yeah. They're paid differently. One, of course, the National Guard are paid through the states because they're right. activated by the governors, right? And right. the the act group are paid by the federal government. Mm -hmm. But meanwhile, people are suffering in massive ways from in in both of these fires. And just like yeah. uh, the president wants to rescind uh, uh, monies for Puerto Rico, seeming seemingly having gotten over their problem, according to him. Um, wouldn't one think that you'd want to redirect those resources into a place that is actually on fire and not just fake on fire? But uh, you know what? We could we could spin this thing in a whole entire podcast, but I think we've belabored the I point. <laughs> so let's yeah, just disgust me to no end. Let, let's let, let's move on to the uh, the to the Pelosi thing that um, yeah. Speaker of the House. Yeah. So very interesting, very interesting. You know, I've I've covered Washington on and off since 1979. Obviously, that's a long period of time. Um, I saw the, the so-called Reagan Democrats in the House, where you had this marriage between Republicans and conservative Democrats with President Reagan. I've seen a couple of these kind of uh, across-the-line bipartisan moments. Uh, this is interesting because you're having a revolt from the, the newer members of the House, the representatives who are Democrats, some of who were elected just a couple weeks ago, some of who were elected two years ago and maybe even four years ago, who are said they ran a campaign on saying they would not vote for Nancy Pelosi as House Speaker. There's about 16 or 17 of them, depending on what story you read, who's counting who. Um, so Democrats have about a 30-vote edge in the House now with a few more races still to be decided. That means, uh, you know, 30 minus, I'm bad at math, so we'll do 30 minus 15, means Pelosi still has a 15-vote edge over the Republicans. She could still win if she holds the other Democrats. Now you have the extraordinary statement by President Trump, one of many, that he would throw the Republican votes to Pelosi to help her get elected. What intrigues me a lot in all this is there's been a 
caucus called the Problem Solvers Caucus on Capitol Hill. It's been around for about two years. And there's about 50 members in it, both Democrats and Republicans. And they have sort of pledged publicly that they would support whoever, they would support for speaker, a person who embraces their platform, which is unclear to me because it's not really defined well. But there's some Republicans in there, one of which is a guy from Pennsylvania who was an NPR before the election, and he hedged a little bit about voting for a Democrat, not necessarily Pelosi, but a Democrat. So you don't know if any of these Republicans will keep their word and vote for a Pelosi or a Democrat for speaker. Hmm. My question is this, and you guys might be able to help clarify this. It's one thing to say you don't want Nancy Pelosi as speaker if you're a Democrat. Then the question is, who do you want? Yeah. And does that person then have enough votes to win? Right. Well, I'll throw another variable in it. There's at least a theoretical possibility that whoever is the Speaker of the House may well be the next president. Just saying. That's that's, that's a very interesting point. You know, you, you know, that's one. It's not that ludicrous to consider. Um, and here's another one just to further, you know, baffle people. The, the Speaker of the House does not have to be a member of the House of Representatives. That's right. Right. That's another variable. So, you, know, sure. you guys could do it. Uh, anyone could do it. Who's, I'm ready. I guess, okay. I'm waiting for the I, call. They might, have to be thir- they might have to be, you know, here's a question I don't know, actually. Because they're in line, well, no, they could be any age. They just couldn't become president if it came to them if they weren't 35. Right. That's right. Oh. You have to be at least, yeah. And, well, and I'm born in the United States. I'm. I'm a re- I'm 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 a yeah. I'm a I'm reverse thirty five. There you go. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, that, I mean that's it's a real thing. I mean, again, not to get distracted into the Russia stuff, but and there is this is is not no small vote. Truth told, I, you know I've I've not been a big fan of Nancy Pelosi for a long time because my politics go far more progressive than hers. But I think in many ways now is a very tentative time to be messing around with leadership. But I also know if Nancy Pelosi ever wound up being president by virtue of an impeachment. The conservatives in this country, you would hear their heads exploding like Jiffy Pop. Oh my gosh! Oh. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> you know? it's like it's like a it's like a rogue episode <laughs> of House of Cards. I know. Oh so, my goodness! So just saying. So so let me ask you a question, Tom. I mean, it seems that there's a lot of push, you know, with the likes of uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez and others, people who have uh, come to Congress, new Congress members, uh, on a progressive platform with a very steadfast and clear statement that this is a progressive agenda. We're trying. They're trying to pursue. Um, it seems to me you're hearing a, a mixture of reports on this from there's conflict to um, actually some cooperation on the part of Nancy Pelosi and her office and, and some of these newcomers. What do you know about that? I think that um, there's part of this is people are going to say it's Pelosi's survival, but I think you forget about the background of Nancy Pelosi, you know, when she was a member of the I mean, she, before she was speaker, I should say. Mm. She was uh, you know, a San Francisco Democrat, and they, people used to like to make fun of how liberal they were. But she was pretty progressive when she was coming up in the ranks. Mm-hmm. She's not adverse or deaf to a progressive agenda, at least some progressive items. What's what's important for progressive Democrats to understand, and I say this merely as a tactical observer of tactics, mm-hmm. is that uh, the volatility of the nation's politics today are unlike anything I've seen in 20-some years, and I'm yeah. sure you guys as well. It doesn't matter if you're right or left or center. Yeah. Uh, clearly the nation's divided, and there's that middle area that you have to win votes in and keep keep winning the votes. And you have to show voters that you accomplished something. And so uh, I'm not saying you know the progressive agenda doesn't do that. I think, however, Pelosi is smart enough, and whether she's skilled enough remains to be seen, to be able to maneuver the House Democrats into accomplishing something uh, that appeals to voters that is not 
out of line with whatever the Democratic agenda is going to be, mm-hmm. as well as taking some of these progressive elements uh, from that side of the party and melding them into whatever she wants. Let me give you an example of that. Um, let's just take it away from domestic politics and move it to Saudi Arabia, for example. There's a growing disenchantment with the U.S. relationship with Saudi Arabia, not just because of the Khashoggi murder, but because of the war in Yemen and other things. Yeah. Khashoggi murder, murder has highlighted it. You know, that's a progress. The, the cut ties or limit ties with Saudi Arabia is part of not only the progressive agenda, but others. That's something that could be accomplished probably by the House Democrats along with the Senate Republicans and Democrats. And that's, that would be it. You're getting, you know, depending on how your perspective is to Saudi Arabia, hmm. you're, you're limiting your contact with a quote-unquote bad nation. That's always been top, a top of many progressive lists. So, and, and stuff about health care and, and uh, uh, labor rights, those things um, could appeal to voters Particularly, I saw a story this morning that said soybean exports to China are down something like ninety percent, ninety percent soybean wow. exports. You know, and that's that's uh, that hits the pocketbook of people in the Midwest, especially the upper Midwest states that the Democrats right. hope to win in twenty twenty. So you know, pocketbook issues uh, could be considered progressive issues. How you how you depending on how you frame it. Yeah. So I think that it takes someone who was skilled to navigate the temperamental parts of all the party. Uh, you, know, you know, I'm from Western Pennsylvania, and one of the Republic, uh, one side, one of the representatives there is Connor Lamb, who's a moderate Democrat. He won a special election last year. He won this year in the only race pitting two incumbents against each other. He won, and so he's a moderate Democrat. And, and you know, for him to continue to win re-election, he needs these kind of issues that the Democratic Party in Pennsylvania, for example, used to stand for. Mm-hmm. And and I think that the party has always had a tougher time corralling all its members because of the disparate views as opposed to Republicans, which were more either conservative or moderate. Okay. Well, I'll just throw in, too. Truth told, despite my politics going pretty far to the left, um, I think right now would be a a dangerous time to replace Nancy Pelosi, even though I think she falls short of me uh, ideologically. I think you're right. On a tactical, practical level, um, she's a woman with a proven track record of being able to whip people into shape. Yep. Um, But, yeah, I mean, this also harkens back to 2016 in the DNC, where progressives and the progressive voices in the Democratic Party were feeling shut out and still do feel shut out. Yeah, you know, I hear that. And, you know, that's a very valid point to raise and suspicions get raised about about the the power structure of the Democratic Party on Capitol Hill vis-a-vis, you know, what happened allegedly to Bernie Sanders and others. Mm-hmm. I, I only say allegedly because I'm a reporter, you know, we always use that. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we uh, get the legalities <laughs> of it. We all know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you guys describe that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's your show. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a podcast. There's no accountability for us. Exactly right. <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll see how it all shakes out. But I, I, I think in many ways, especially now with, as you said quite aptly, that there's such a volatility in the country right now that I think to have yet another, uh, you know, the floor moving underneath yet another major platform uh, is probably a, a, an unwise choice. And Nancy Pelosi herself even broadcast that she might just be doing this for two years and then be looking yeah, for the Yeah, and see, that's, that's also a very interesting thing, too, because, um, again, I don't remember the source of this story. Um, I was... Pondering in the summer, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine who 
uh, you know, we were just discussing politics in general, and we were thinking about, well, how effective would it have been, this is in June, we're talking, how effective would it be if Nancy Pelosi announced in June or July that if the Democrats regained control of the House, she would not stand for Speaker? Mm. And, you know, the, how many votes would, how many districts would that really help in? It turns out that her being the boogeyman really didn't have an impact in that many congressional district races. Right. And so, uh, you know, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been, it would have taken away a whipping toy for the Republicans, but in the long run, it may not have made that much of a difference in some of the races that were tight. Yeah. Okay. So, but if she announces something like that, I'm going to serve, you know, one, two years to get the party back on track to help groom new leadership, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then, you know, devote my time to getting a Democrat elected in 2020. You know, that could be a, a wonderful bridge because going back to which, I don't know which one of you gentlemen said this, but you know, the smart one, she knows, she knows the game in DC and you need somebody with a little bit of experience right now leading the Democrats if they hope to build on the um, results of the election from two weeks ago. That sounds like something I would have said, but I'm going to blame. I'm going to blame Steve. I'm going to blame Steve instead. Go. Uh, normally, I'm I'm the guy who uh, who is, I I boil this thing down to it, and I I can be mad at the Chuck Schumers. I can be mad at the Nancy Pelosi's, but at the end of the day, I I <laughs> I need I I understand and recognize that that uh, this just doesn't seem it seems to be less and less about about what you can do uh, and more and more about what your name is and how recognizable it is and uh, you know and I think that's what kind of keeps the same old same old and this agenda kind of stagnant and moving forward all at the same time yeah. uh, I think yeah. and underneath it all I think there's also an element of, of misogyny coming at Nancy Pelosi in, in her position now so I think Everybody needs to be a little cautious about where they're operating from. I don't agree with a lot of her on a policy and, and philosophical level, but I also think it's, you know, again, to have strong, a strong woman in, in that position right now is probably wise. Right. Well, Tom, hey, listen, I, we, we appreciate you jumping on the podcast with us. I know we've uh, kept you a little longer than we promised. so That's okay. No, happy to be here. It's, a, it's a, you know, it's both of them interesting subjects, particularly the Pelosi thing, and I, just, I don't want to hold you guys up. No, but, no, no. As I said, at the outstart of this, that conversation topic is that this is something I haven't really seen for a while, you know, in Washington, this kind of potential challenge. Yeah. And uh, it will certainly be interesting from a journalistic point of view, and it could be critical um, as to how the politics go in the next two years and how the House operates. Agreed. Great. All right, Tom. Thanks again. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. All right. Bye. You like you as well. Cheers. Take care. And also, All right. in the, the offing is that Representative Fudge is the person that has a challenge. I didn't know there was a representative fudge. I love that there's a representative fudge. I kind of like it, too. Yeah. You know, so be the Speaker Fudge. Speaker Fudge. You know. Oh, oh. yeah. All right. Uh, I'll tell you what. When we come back from the break, I do want to drill in a little bit more to uh, to to the, the buffoonery uh, that's running this country. Um, so I'll we'll, get you a great big drill bit. All right, and we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll drill right into that next, right after we thank Series uh, Natural Remedies. Thanks, Series. And uh, Mocha Joe's. Thanks, Mocha Joe's. Right after this. This is the Ear Spoon with Fish and Steve. One of our favorite things to do while we're doing the podcast, mm-hmm. drink Mocha Joe's coffee. 
we really need to get a sound effects library. <laughs> right? But that was inadequate, but it was real. It was real. Authentic. And, and Mocha Joe's uh, has, has started here in our little hamlet of Brattleboro, Vermont in yes. the late 80s and yes. has boomed. And they uh, they do all kinds of great uh, products and have swag. You can go to their website, mochajoes.com, yeah. order coffee by the pound. Uh, and we uh, we eat it by the pound here. We do. I don't. I prefer just to eat the beans straight. Straight. No, crunchy, not a little true. bit. One of my favorite things about Mocha Joe's mm-hmm. is the fact that they support the the farmer. Yeah. You know, they really do. They have the fair trade coffees that they they go after all the time. They're constantly uh, traveling around and. Yeah, and I got to say that I mean that's one of the first places I ever heard of the term fair trade. When I first got here twenty years ago, they were talking about this well before I think a lot of other people, and certainly it's now quite a thing. But being hip to how you supply your people and your your customers and caring at all, and also I mean it ultimately winds up being a good economic choice. But they're just it's the rightest thing to do, and 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 farmers get kind of screwed, and Mocha Joe's makes sure that they don't. That's right. And it's one of the reasons why uh, we just love having them as part of the podcast and uh, hope to have them for years to come. Amen. So go check it out, mochajoes.com. If you live uh, here locally, of course, you just stop down at the little cafe. That's one of the coolest shops in town. Definitely is. Ceres Natural Remedies offers New England's largest selection of CBD products for health and wellness. With over 60 brands, we represent all methods of CBD delivery, including extracts, capsules, edibles, vape, topical, body care, and beverage products infused with hemp. We bring together artisanal quality and science-based healing. Experience the healing benefits of CBD for people and pets. Visit us in Brattleboro or at our flagship store, 190 College Street, Burlington. This is Earspoon, your home for the stuff you're thinking anyway. I think we're all on the same path. We do have to do management, maintenance, and uh, we'll be working also with environmental groups. They've really, uh, I think everybody's seen the light, and uh, we, I don't think we'll have this again to this extent. We're going to have no. to work quickly. Yeah. But a lot of people are uh, very much, uh, there's been a lot of study going on over the last little while, and I, I will I will say I think you're going to have, hopefully this is going to be the last of of these because this mm-hmm. was a really really bad one. It was I think really his bad. Visiting here is a right, okay. So Holy cow. I mean, yeah. It, it, what a word salad. Uh, I was I was hoping that uh, that we I could stand by and listen to him call the forest floors again, but I just <laughs> I can't I, I can't do it. He um, used the word mitigate, which I thought was a big deal for him. Oh yeah, it just kept easily, and, and like you know, I, he used it like three times, and right. after the third time, I caught myself doing a full contact princess, princess bride. <laughs> that word, I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> hey, it's got three syllables. Give the guy a break. Oh my god, we'll be doing a lot of mitigation and the mitigating on uh, mitigating mitigations. I'm telling you, though, the best part of watching that video, when you see the the video of it, not mm-hmm. just the audio, is the faces of Jerry Brown and Gavin Newsom what going. Did, what did, you know, I swear to God, you posted something yeah. on Facebook, <laughs> and then I, this is what I had typed in, and then I realized the subject matter and, wh- and where they were, and and I was <laughs> I typed inside Jerry Brown's head right now. Jesus Lord set me on fire next. Yeah. That would not have been an appropriate. Well, it would not in black and white text. You right. could not have just you could not have gleaned 
the the sarcasm in my voice around it. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this podcast will will allow you to glean the sarcasm in in which I'm sure he was wa- just waiting uh, for the sweet sweet release of death. <laughs> <laughs> to, to get him so, out of there. And here's what I keep coming back to. And like, people can agree to disagree on policy. People can agree to disagree on whether, you know, all kinds of things, what, what you wish would happen, how things should be governed, mm-hmm. et cetera. This man is vacant. He's intellectually vacant. Right. He cannot assemble thoughts. He cannot string a, a few sentences together. And then, you know, they go to Jerry Brown and he, you know, he throws out some, you know, relative pablum, but it's still, you know, you know, we're going to work together, blah, 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 blah. But it was at least articulate. Right. And this man just went on a string of just just verbal diarrhea and that, and nothing else came out of him but nonsense. Oh. And so how do we – how are we agreeing or are we agreeing? We're not. But, like, literally millions of people think he is a great man doing you know, a great I, job. I, yeah, you are right. When you say millions of people, because there are millions of people. Millions. I just – I can't even, for the life of me, understand how you can go from just being a normal person. Plans and uh, methods and mitigation. We're going to. There it is. Uh, Drink. It's a great success. It's something we can work on and do much better. Uh, I really believe, I'm, I'm a strong believer, a lot of cities are in forests. If you look at Europe and other places. A lot of cities are in uh, forests. We have a lot of forest states where they're mostly forests. That's what they call them. They just don't have this problem. Uh, California's a very unique place, and it's got some very unique leadership and some great leadership, and we're going to be uh, it's working with the leadership, working with Gavin now for the most part, and I think uh, this is my favorite we're going to come to some pretty good conclusions, and, and maybe more importantly, some real solutions to a problem that is a very, very big problem, because every year... Especially at a certain time of year, you what just are you turn saying? On, it's automatic that you have these massive fires. I mean, mm-hmm. these are massive fires. Now, in this case, and he's just standing there like a dolt in a USA hat. And Jerry Brown looked at him at one point in time, going, "If if I even just motion towards him, the Secret Service will have to kill me. That was, the and thing. I'm out. <laughs> maybe that's what. <laughs> and I'm maybe out of this situation." But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was an opportunity for Jerry Brown. I mean, again, th- this is a tragedy for, for entire communities and people yeah. who lost their lives and families. And, and there's no uh, – y- y- that's the first priority. But there was also an opportunity for a guy like Gavin Newsom, who's pretty outspoken about his mm-hmm. progressive values, and uh, Jerry Brown, pretty outspoken, to, to sort of – you know, it may not have been that particular moment to say, dude, what are you talking about? What are you even saying? Like that, I would love, I would, it would be a dream come true if Jerry right. Brown at some point just said, said like, dude, you just said a whole bunch of, I have no idea yeah. what you said. Do you, and, do you have any concept of the English language? Do you have any grasp of the English language? <laughs> Steve and I were, were, were talking about this before uh, we got on the phone with Tom and, and basically saying this now. And and I basically said, hey, when you listen to our president speak, I try not to. And and yeah, and you really have to try not to because it's just it's offensive. And I said to Steve, I have a developmentally delayed sister who has got a better grasp of the English language mm-hmm. than this idiot. So I mean, here's, here's what I come back to. And again, we can focus on on a guy like that, that particular individual, and he doesn't even matter in this equation. Literally millions of people around the country 
will look at that and not see idiocy right. and will not see a buffoon. Oh, he did, you know, he's just speaking his mind. He's just saying what he's saying. He 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 speaks like the people speak. No, you know what? I have to right. say even the uh, even a majority of the people who voted for you speak better than you do. So this is my concern is that the ability to discern what's happening in front of people. Like to the, you see that is that a thing? That it's not that, it's that. Right. Like, and I keep thinking to myself, how do we write the ship? If literally millions of people are on board with the buffoon. Yeah. I mean, it it, it puts us in scary times. And I think you and I have both said the same thing at different points in time in this podcast, out in public, that you may not be a racist who voted for Donald Trump. You yourself may not not subscribe to racist beliefs. But if you voted for this man, then... On some level, you're okay with it. Right. Or, or as, as I've seen said, uh, then racism wasn't a deal breaker. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you, know? you know, it's just so, you know, wh- when you look back at things like that, then you look at it and he's just, he's hanging around in this this forest with burnt floors and uh, and the rakes and, and the, the rakes yeah. and, and i love that the and we said this too before the but we love that the finnish people are out in the backyards with their vacuum cleaners oh, they're mocking the hell out oh, of him i mean you know the worst uh, i think the best way to 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 mitigate if you will mm-hmm. uh good word uh, you know, talk thank you a toxic you know what person. else is a good word too what? troglodyte Ooh, hello <laughs> that's, uh, anytime I you can work that, that into a sentence that's that is a, an excellent word and, and, and with but our president to be mocked comes up a lot. there's nothing more balancing than to be ridiculed mm-hmm. and and this is a man very worthy of ridicule and the, and the finnish people and the rest of the world are there i mean the world is turning and looking at us and saying good really? god what is wrong with you people come on you know and the and the small faction of people that continues to follow this idiot uh you know, they don't even they don't feel it. They don't doesn't even trouble them. They, gotta, and on some level, I think there's some power they get from being like, yeah, nobody understands. Like I understand, and we understand. Right. It's like, oh man. Somebody said to me once, you know, we used to be the most respected respected country in the world. And I said, nah. I just pump the brakes on that for a second. Mm. I don't know that we were respected mm. or we were feared. I think there's two different ways that you can look at this. You know, I think I think some people have a certain amount of respect for us. Some people are just flat out afraid of us. Even during a Clinton administration, Bush administration, Barack Obama administration, just knowing that if you pissed off the US just enough, mm. we could just turn your little portion of the planet into an ashtray. And we do. And but I mean I think if you depends on where you're measuring it, you go back to pre World War Two before we were really exercising military might the way that we do and have right. Um, I think this was a welcoming country that said, you know, mm-hmm. bring me your huddled masses. You know, many of our many of us are here by virtue <laughs> and of we'll, that. You know. And what did Tom Squidary say? <laughs> bring us your huddled masses, and we will greet them with seven thousand eight hundred troops right. to send them marching back to their deaths. This is what I mean. I mean but seven thousand eight hundred of our military personnel right. patrolling the border, eight hundred and fifty four troops. Right. Helping us put out a, 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 a raging, out of control fire, while the president right. tweets about it, right, and then shows up, throws up a word salad, yeah. which will stain the carpet, yeah. once and for all. But nobody, I mean, why doesn't anybody call him on it in real time? It's like you know, like a reporter saying, like, I have no idea what you just said. I mean, none of that made any sense yeah. at all. Yeah, I mean, you know, look what happened to Jim Acosta. Oh, no kidding, yeah, right. I mean, Jim Acosta is a, a a good reporter, a smart guy, 
You know, and just how how did that intern pull that job today? Today I'm going to yeah. break the First Amendment. But, yeah. you know, I, nonetheless, I mean, you've got this this guy who just says this unbelievable. I thought I was going to be able to get through a whole podcast without saying a, a bad word. Oh, you don't think it's going to happen? I don't think it's going to happen today. I feel it. I feel you it. feel coming. it, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I feel mean, it you coming. can feel it. I mean, the utter fucking buffoonery that comes out of this man's mouth on a day-to-day basis, which 30 million people then write into some kind of a social media law. Mm. Well, he put it on Twitter, and now it's law. Just, uh, Congress, <laughs> Cong- is it Congress or Senate votes on what Twitter law we right, follow? Right, right, yes. It's the Department of Twitter. It's the Department of Twitter. Um, did you happen to see his tweet? I can't believe we have to talk about this. Mm. Uh, to you know, Adam Representative Adam Schiff, shit, will be the uh, in, in head of the Intelligence Committee. I yeah. can't remember, the, but he'll he'll have a new power with the new control of of the House, right. and he tweets something about little Adam shit. Yeah, S C H I T T. Yeah, and I'm thinking to myself, like, one, it's not an accident, and two, yeah, what are you twelve? Yeah, he is, and he that's is. where we're at. And again, millions of people think he's a great man and a great president right and i think can this country be fixed yeah you know? and i don't mean I, castrated uh, i mean fixed you know? <laughs> i think it can be fixed uh i don't know um who the right person is to do the fixing well that's but, the thing i mean but we're also a country that likes the cult of personality and that a person do. should come along and mm-hmm. fix this thing when in fact you know it's how shall i say this succinctly if you empower people, you pay them properly, you don't exhaust them, and capitalism doesn't kick the crap out of them, they can a- they're can they more able to organize, to fix their communities, to show up for things. You're yeah. more able to see people as we are now running for office and affecting change. The amount of women and, and people of color that are new into Congress now is very uplifting. But we're also a, a country that continues to throw more and more of its wealth to fewer and fewer people, and the rest of us are exhausted. Mm-hmm. So if we want change in this country, we need to be showing up on a, on a select board level yeah, and showing up on you know on a local level and being the change that we're looking to see exactly. But honestly, the idea of some president coming along, like Barack Obama or who ha- whatever person is on the horizon for a potential president, a person doesn't fix this. This is, no. needs to be a sea change. This is all of us. This is all of us. And, and as Steve said, this is getting involved on a community level. Your community that you're in, the the swell has to rise from from the depths up. Yeah. Well, so, when there's enough outrage, but people are inoculated by television and shopping and oh they don't really, God, I know. You know, they don't really show. It's like, well, it's not uncomfortable enough yet. But what about your neighbors? It's uncomfortable for people of color. It's uncomfortable for the you know, the more poor. The average person working now can be considered a working poor because we've lost the middle class. Most of the people I know are running as fast as they can to generate enough revenue to break even if they're lucky. Right. Like, how is that the greatest country in the world? You know, so if we can, if people can start to get pissed off enough, I saw this great thing the other day talking about how people should be talking about what they make. Like when you're at, a, at a, in your office, you should tell people what you make so everybody knows what everybody makes. So somebody can say, wait a second, why do you make twice what I make? Now, the answer is not you should make less. It is I should make more. Right. And you should pressure the people who are writing the paychecks. Hey, I'm worth more than that. And that's when change starts to happen. When people say I'm worth more than this, not you shouldn't make that. This is why I sort of dig the cooperative system. Yeah, me too. You know, I mean that the upper now now th- there are different level of pay grades d- dependent on skills, and I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with. 
the no, guy with the it. most. What's that? I'm not against it at all. Yeah, I mean, sure. so I'm okay with the guy with the most skills making a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and then the guy with the next skill set making a little bit less than that. Mm-hmm. And then, but if the whole company as a whole is making millions and millions of dollars, and even the last person who might work on the factory line. You know, there, there are there are several of these co-oping things where the, the least you can make mm-hmm. once you are fully vested in the co-op mm-hmm. is $64,000 a year. And, hey, wouldn't that be nice? Correct. Yeah, the worker-owned cooperatives, worker-owned, worker-owned companies, that's true. I believe if it's – I don't know if it's still the case now that Unilever bought them, but Ben & Jerry's was famous for that, mm-hmm. that the CEO could only make X more than the lowest paid employee. Yeah. And that's a statement of purpose and a statement right. of philosophy that says we value you. If you sweep up the floor at the end of the day, you are a very valuable member of this team. I don't remember who said this, and I I, and I, I – Mm, I wish I could, and it was it, if if I were to tell you who it was, I would think that we would have a lot of a lot of problems with it. But they said, you know, you know, everybody's so focused on a minimum wage. Mm. Why don't we focus on a maximum wage? I'm down with that idea, you know. Yeah. And and I'm okay with that. I mean, I, I, you that's know, what taxes are for. Yeah, so that that's just you know just level it all out there. But anyway, uh, we 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 spun we off into something yes. there. Uh, well, uh, can I just wrap that up? Sure. Because we're talking about trying to affect positive change in the country. Mm-hmm. And while people are exhausted and while people are punched in the face by capitalism and while people can't get their fundamental needs met, and I'm talking about this as a, as a, as a white male in this, in this world, I work my ass off just to try to get – just try, to try to break even and pay my bills like almost everyone I know. Yeah. And I don't live lavishly and I don't take vacations and I don't do that. I drive an old car and this is the nature of things. I have no shame about it at all. I'm a hardworking person. So are you. I know we both – I've known yeah. you a long time. We both work really hard at what we do and so does almost everyone I know. Mm-hmm. So the exhaustion factor of just trying to survive American capitalism is the thing that I think needs the attention because when we have more energy, we affect more positive change in our local communities and the nation across the nation. Right. You can you can you can you can think clearly if yeah. you don't have to worry that you don't have enough money to put food on your table right. or keep your house warm for your kids. Right. But think about how much more productive you can be. No kidding. But then you watch a conversation about trying to raise the minimum wage to $15. Oh, my God. So, Fucking heads explode. Right. So three quarters of what it takes to break even in this life is too much for some people. So regular people, well, that, then that means I should be making more money. Yeah, you're damn right you should. So encourage everyone to make more money instead of supporting presidents and others who give tax breaks to billionaires. How are we going to pay for that? I don't know, dude. Let's look at the tax breaks to billionaires in the military, mm-hmm. shall we? Yeah. You know, so like, oh, there's not enough money for that. Yes, there is. There is. There always is. There is. It doesn't matter. It but doesn't people matter. still defend and still support their very own oppression. Yep. They anyway. do. Constantly Until that votes. changes, I think we're just going to be stuck in this groove. So did, did you happen to read the tweet I put out on the Earspoon this morning? Uh, I have not been on the Twitter this morning. I'm proud of myself. Do tell. So, um, th- I was thinking about the Medals of Freedom huh? that uh, that okay. Trump awarded to Elvis and uh, Mrs. To, Adelson, Mrs. Adelson, and mm-hmm. uh, and to Babe Ruth. And so the the tweet was that he awarded uh, the Medal of Freedom to Babe Ruth. And uh, the fun fact was during uh, World War II, Babe Ruth was a Yankee, and during Vietnam, 
Trump was a Dodger. Hey, hey. boom. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. Not bad, huh? <laughs> Captain Bone Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll leave it there. Yeah. Uh, listen, thank you for listening to the podcast. Hey, happy yeah. Thanksgiving hey, to likewise. everybody. It's Thanksgiving uh, week, and happy Thanksgiving to you. Right. And Explore uh, the actual truth of the Thanksgiving story. Do yourself a favor. Yeah, just ignore politics for at least one day. Yeah. And regardless of what your drunk MAGA wearing hat uncle comes through the door saying, <laughs> or or if it, if you really want to be confused, that person could be your aunt. Right. <laughs> right. Make America rake again. There we go. See now that <laughs> that's a T-shirt. I'm working on that over the break. <laughs> All right. I'll do a little photoshopping for you. That's it. It's done. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> so remember, we are building. What is it? We're going to build a huge rake and make the fins pay for it. There you go. I Where? love it. <laughs> it's pretty funny too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Until next week. I've been Fish and I've been Steve. And this has been the Earspoon, found at theearspoon.com or wherever you download your podcast. Uh, See you later. See you. More at theearspoon.com